It's Monday, August the 3rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, South Africa hits half a million cases and Trump and Microsoft eye TikTok. First, the world in brief. South Africa surpassed 500,000 cases of COVID-19. It has the fifth heaviest caseload in the world, including most of Africa's confirmed infections. Australia, an early success story, had to toughen up a lockdown on Victoria, its second biggest state. Meanwhile, India recorded 50,000 new cases a day for five days, taking the country's total to over 1.75 million. Latin America collectively has nearly 5 million, 30% of the world's total, for 8% of its population. Satellite images from Brazil's National Space Agency have revealed that there were 28% more fires in the Amazon this July compared with last year, despite a ban early in the month on starting them. Scientists worry about a repeat of the wildfires that tore across the region last summer, especially given the callous attitude of Jair Bolsonaro, Brazil's president, towards the rainforest. The clock is ticking for TikTok, after Mike Pompeo, America's Secretary of State, said action against certain Chinese tech firms was imminent. He accused the short video app, which is owned by ByteDance, of feeding users' data directly to the Chinese Communist Party. Microsoft sees the timer running too. It hopes to buy TikTok's American operations before sanctions are enacted. Siemens Healthineers, a German healthcare company, said it would acquire Varian, a cancer treatment company, for $16.4 billion. Varian uses AI, machine learning and data analysis to develop new forms of screening and medicine. The deal will be financed primarily through debt and new equity issued by Siemens Healthineers and is expected to be completed next year. Marathon Petroleum agreed to sell its Speedway petrol station business to Severn I Holdings, the Japanese owner of the 7-Eleven chain. The deal is worth $21 billion. Severn I had pulled out of acquisition talks earlier this year, blaming uncertainty around the pandemic. Elliott's management and activist investor has been pestering Marathon to get rid of the business for months. India's Home Minister Amit Shah tested positive for the coronavirus and was admitted to hospital. Right-hand man to Narendra Modi, the country's Prime Minister, Mr Shah had attended a cabinet meeting on Wednesday. At least two of their party's chief ministers have also tested positive. Mr Shah was to attend a groundbreaking ceremony for a Hindu temple at Ayodha. And the Hajj, Islam's most sacred pilgrimage, drew to a close, with only 10,000 of the faithful having been allowed to participate. Last year, 2.5 million people took part. Yesterday, pilgrims participated in the ceremonial stoning of a wall that represents Satan. Unlike in other years when they would gather stones themselves, the faithful were handed them bagged and sterilised. And now, here's today's agenda. Lone Star Sorrow. Remembering El Paso. 23 Luminaria burned in Cleveland Square on Thursday, each commemorating someone gunned down by a man tormented by fantasies of what he called the Hispanic invasion of Texas one year ago today. Like all mass shootings, the El Paso massacre prompted calls for gun control. Beto O'Rourke, an El Paso native who briefly ran for the Democratic presidential nomination, said, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. But apparently not. In early 2020, gun sales were slow, but then they sped up again. Some people are buying firearms because COVID-19 makes them nervous. Others are watching the protests following the death of George Floyd. In March, the FBI received a record number of background check requests. That record was surpassed in June. The FBI's capacity to respond within the three days a dealer is required to wait before selling a weapon is under strain. 
more guns are being sold without any background check at all. In deep water. Floods in Bangladesh. Bangladesh is experiencing its worst flooding in a decade following cyclone Amfam and is preparing for more. At least 100 people have died and millions are homeless. One third of the country is underwater. Heavy rainfalls in the Great Basin where the Brahmaputra River merges with the Ganges and Meghna, where 8% of humanity lives on just 1% of the world's land, are to blame for the flooding, which has also affected India and Nepal. Bangladeshi scientists say they see the fingerprints of climate change. Though this is a 1 in 20 years flood, it is actually the fifth such in that period. And as if the flooding, which is expected to recede in late August, had not hurt Bangladeshis enough, the COVID-19 pandemic still rages. The economy, previously one of the world's fastest growing, has taken a battering, driving up both unemployment and poverty. New Foundations A Hindu Temple for All of India Today, IOTA kicks off a three-day hoopla to celebrate the most contentious construction project in post-independence India. Since the 19th century, many in the Hindu majority came to regard the location of a medieval mosque as the literal birthplace of the deity Ram. In 1992, a mob tore down the Islamic structure, sparking deadly riots across the country. It also ignited the national ascent of the Hindu nationalist Bhatia Janta Party. Since leading the BJP to its first parliamentary majority in 2014, Narendra Modi has remade nearly every Indian institution. Last year, the Supreme Court cleared the last hurdle to erecting a grand temple where the mosque once stood. On Wednesday, Mr Modi will perform rituals on that hallowed ground, mixing the symbolism of his favoured brand of Hinduism with that of the Indian state. Astrologers suggested the date, which coincides with the anniversary of Mr Modi's dissolution of Jammu and Kashmir, the only Muslim-majority state in India. Leaving LIBOR Benchmark interest rates Today, the Bank of England starts publishing compound average rates for Sonia, a benchmark interest rate designed as a sterling replacement for the now ill-favoured LIBOR. Notionally, LIBOR, which underpins $200 trillion plus of derivatives and loans in five currencies, is the rate at which certain banks are willing to lend to each other for up to a year. Long popular, a rate-fixing scandal sullied it. But even before that, its foundations were flimsy, often guesses rather than actual transactions. It is due to be discontinued at the end of next year. By then, central banks want markets to use new benchmarks based on overnight rates. But banks and their clients have to get moving. One obstacle is that overnight rates lack LIBOR's built-in term structure, e.g. three- and six-month rates. So regulators are constructing their own. The New York Fed started publishing its dollar equivalent of the Sonia averages in March. The post-LIBOR world is coming. Half Measures Britain's state-sponsored meal deal. Economists have long said that there is no such thing as a free lunch. But for Britons this August, that is only half true. Starting today, the taxpayer will pay half the cost of their meals. The Treasury dubs the scheme Eat Out to Help Out. But there are caveats, and lots of them. Diners must eat in, i.e. not get takeaway, from Monday to Wednesday, up to a maximum of £10 per person per meal, and alcohol is excluded. More than 53,000 businesses have signed up. VAT for the hospitality industry has also been slashed from 20% to 5% until 2021. The Treasury hopes that the two measures will stimulate consumer spending. Yet even as it encourages dining out, the government has announced a pause on the loosening of other restrictions in England. Britain's leaders are sending mixed messages. 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from Etienne Bonnot de Condillac, who died on this day in 1780. The art of reasoning is nothing more than a language well arranged. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.